0: Before I actually get started, uh, I promised Andy that I would go over a slide with you that has a recap of where we are in terms of that building fund thing. So uh, make it happen. We're in good shape. It's somewhere. It's somewhere. Okay, they've lost it. But it's somewhere. And I don't have, I didn't bring the figures with me because they were on the slide. So uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we were looking for something like $38,000, if I recall. And we got in this week about um, $6,500. I mean, like last Sunday got in $6,500. So you do the math and you'll figure out where <laughs> where that is. Okay, sorry Andy. Um, The staff had asked that this week I do a recap of this uh, prayer series. Um, When we started looking at prayer some time ago, actually way back in the fall is when I first started looking at it, I thought to myself, why, why would we spend more than just a week or so on prayer? Because everybody I mean, everybody's prayed, and, you know, we might brush up on some of the essentials, but I can't see doing a series on prayer, and uh, then as I started reading and kind of studying, I realized that, well, maybe we should do a series on prayer, and it actually has been one of the greatest series that we've, not because I was doing it, but because uh, evidently it was needed, Um the feedback that we've gotten on our, our Connect cards, the feedbacks that we've gotten personally from individuals after the service, at the grocery stores, wherever they might be, has been, it's just kind of blown me away. I didn't realize it was quite as impactful as this. So the staff asked that we recap, since we kind of completed the series last week, that we recap what we've been talking about for the past five weeks. I intend to do that, but in order for me to do that, you're going to have to put on track shoes. As you can see, your handout is normally a page, or page front and back, and it's three pages long this time, I believe. I did put a pretty picture in there to to, uh, break up the monotony a little bit. So, let's launch into this. How do I put my prayer into practice is what I've called this sixth week. The very first week that we looked at prayer, uh, the title was Prayer Can Change Your Life, and I promised you that prayer could change your life. And I promise you today standing here that prayer will change your life. There's no doubt about it. Um, The big idea for that first week was there is nothing more vital... To your Christian life than is prayer, nothing more vital. It's absolutely essential, if you're going to call yourself a Christ follower, that you're in a pretty much constant mode of prayer. It's the only communication we have with God. But we learned that it's also a time for us to listen to Him as well as to talk to Him. Um, Remember the the story I told you about the deacon that went to his pastor and said we got this big problem in the church pastor. We got this big problem and he went in the pastor's office and poured out his heart about this problem that was affecting the church and the pastor listened to him. And the pastor said, "Well, deacon, I guess the only thing we can do is to pray about it." And the deacon said, you mean it's come to that? That's what we have to do? And I think that's the way we approach prayer a lot of times is, oh my gosh, have we gotten there? The last resort, we have to do this? So we looked at four purposes for prayer that first week. The first purpose was dedication. Prayer is an act of dedication. I told you it's, de- it's a devotion to God. It's a, uh, uh, being totally sold out to God. Devotion in terms of worship, le- yes, like we do here, but worship is really a lifestyle. It's something we do every day. It's not just something we do on Sunday mornings. And it's also our dependence upon God, our dependence upon Him for everything. Prayer is a declaration of dependence, not independence, but dependence. John 15, verse 5 says, If a man remains in me and I in him he will bear much fruit but apart from me you can do nothing and I think until we realize that we honestly need God we're not praying I mean you have may have those words coming out of your mouth you may be babbling to somebody or something and till you understand that you need God I need you God It's not prayer. We might call it play, but it's not prayer. Our dependence has to be totally on God. The second purpose was prayer is an act of communication. We've already talked about the fact that it means talking to God. Uh, But it has to do with our relationship with God as well. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. See, a servant, a slave, doesn't know what the master's thinking. He just responds to whatever the master may say. A friend knows the heart of the person that he's dealing with. And that's the relationship that we're supposed to have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The third purpose for prayer is supplication. And I know at the top of this one... Oh, somebody changed that for me. Very good. Um, supplication. And it means asking, requesting Big word, and I wanted to use that word because it ended in T-I-O-N, and every one of those was ending in T-I-O-N that week. But I found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, in the Revised Standard Version, that word used. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And in John 16, 24, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So God's telling us, Jesus is telling us, that it's God's idea for us to pray to Him as a way of meeting our needs. He wants us to ask Him. You go to to a typical first-century Christian and you say, well, how's it going? He's probably going to say to you, well, it's going just fine. One miracle after another, after another. Ho-hum. And we think, why can't we have power like that? Why doesn't it work for us? It doesn't work for us because we don't ask. God delights in answering requests. He loves to answer your requests. He loves for you to ask Him. I don't think anything delights Him more than to answer your requests. Purpose number four for prayer. Prayer is an act of cooperation. When we pray for ourselves and we pray for other people, we're cooperating in God's work. We've been called to God. We've become His, yet He leaves us here. He doesn't take us home. He leaves us here. Why? Well, He's got some work for us to do. And the way that we do that work is through prayer. We have to check with Him and say, okay, what's the next assignment? Yeah, is this the assignment? We're teaming up with God to accomplish all of His work. What is God's work then? Well, John 14, 12 through 13 says this. This is Jesus speaking again to His disciples. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in Me will do what I have been doing. And I told you that just blew me away. We're supposed to be doing what God, what Jesus has, was doing. What Jesus was doing. Have you been doing what Jesus was doing lately? Have you healed any people lately? Have you raised any people from the dead lately? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? You're supposed to be doing what Jesus was doing. But he goes on, and it gets even more preposterous. He says... He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. How is it possible to do greater things than Jesus did? How could that possibly happen? Because prayer is to the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. The whole trinity is involved in our prayers. And God says, you know, your part in all this is the asking. My part, God says, is the doing. You ask, and I'll do. Thank goodness it's not the other way around. The second week, we looked at five conditions for answered prayer. And the first condition was this. You must have an honest relationship with God. An honest relationship with God. If you remain in me, it says in John fifteen seven and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. So there's a promise, if you remain in me, I mean, uh, I will do whatever you ask, and there's also a condition, if you remain in me. God requires that we listen to him first (laughs) before he listens to us. We don't really always think that it works that way. If I don't pay attention to God and His Word, why in the world would I think He would pay attention to me when I go to Him in prayer? God requires that we listen to Him first before He listens to us. And I think this is why I told you uh, personal Bible study is so important. Yeah, a small group Bible study... A a community sort of Bible study is great. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not good. But there's nothing quite like personal Bible study, where you're interacting with the Scriptures yourself, where you can listen to God first as He talks to you before you try to listen, before you try to tell Him what it is that you want. How do you know if you have an honest relationship? Well, there's three ways. Three questions you can ask. The first is, do I admit to God the things I have done wrong? The things I have done wrong. We call that unconfessed sin. Do I admit those? See, all of us here have gone our own way. We've all done our own thing from time to time. I think some of us worse than others. We dedicated a baby this morning, and one of the um, one of the verses that I used was Proverbs 22:6, which is "Train up a child in the way she should go." This was a girl, and when she's old, she'll not depart from it; she'll come back. I've certainly seen that happen in our own family. Train up the child; teach them when they're young and they'll come back to that standard which is God's word 1 John 1 8-9 says if we claim to be without sin I actually had some lady say to me um, I guess it was after week 3 she said I don't think I sin anymore I used to when I was younger but I don't think I sin anymore If we claim to be without sin, it was in another service. So, (laughs) Uh, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. Confession. And it simply means to... Admit to God that I was wrong. You were right, God. I was wrong. That's all he wants to hear. In this instance, this is what I did wrong. That's confession. doesn't have to be through some third party. It can be you directly to God. The, the second question you could ask about an honest relationship is, am I ignoring any of God's principles? Am I ignoring any of God's principles? Am I doing something I know is wrong? When I know it's wrong and I continue to do it, am I doing that? Am I holding on to something that he's told me to let go of? Let that go. And I won't let it go. I've got to hold on to it. Maybe by the the coattail, but I'm still holding on to it. Or I give it to him and I take it back. And how we do that. Or am I not following his commands? Well, first of all, I got to know what his commands are, don't I? What are his commands? Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven. 37, Jesus was telling some people who had asked, what, what is your? what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying, love God and love others. Love God, love others. That's the greatest commandment. Love God, love others. It's all grouped into one. Well, how can I do that? I mean, how can I? How can, nobody's perfect, and if you've got to be perfect in this, then I'll never have my prayers answered. I might as well give up now. Well, the big idea for week two was God doesn't demand perfection. He simply demands obedience. He knows you're not perfect. He knows you can't be perfect. He knows none of us can be perfect. But He does know that we can be and expects us to be obedient. The third question to determine if I have an honest relationship is, do I really want God's will for my life? I mean, really, 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 really do I really want His will? I mean, I say I do, but do I really want that? 1 John 5, 14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. that, That is, we can ask anything according to His will, and He hears us. according to His will. And we could, we could do a whole series probably on God's will. The real issue is not, God, what's your will regarding the circumstance that I find myself in? The real issue is, God, am I in your will regarding this circumstance? Am I operating in your will? St. Augustine says, Love God, and do whatever you please. Love God and do whatever you please. Well, he didn't mean do whatever you please. What he meant was, if you love God, you're going to do what God wants you to do. So it will be within His pleasure. How can I know the will of God? Well, the only way you can know the will of God is by reading the Word of God. No other way. The only way that you can know the will of God is by reading the Word of God. That's where you get His will. Second condition for answered prayer is you have to have a forgiving attitude toward others. Toward other people, I guess I put in there. A forgiving attitude for, for other people. Love God, love others. Part of that loving is forgiving. And remember I said one of the toughest ones that we have forgiveness issues with is our families. Our families. We become bitter at something that happened 20 years ago. We don't even remember what it was. But we're bitter about it and we're not going to talk. Let's not go to Thanksgiving dinner this year because I don't want to sit beside Mary Sue... Hebrews 12, 15 in the Living Bible says, Watch out that no bitterness take root among you. For as it springs up among you, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Bitterness. That's what happens when we have an unforgiving spirit. It becomes bitterness. And the bitterness eats us alive. makes us sick. Emotionally sick, relationally sick, spiritually sick, physically sick. In the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus was asked how we're to pray, He said to pray to the Father, saying this, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you really want to pray that? Father, forgive me in the same measure that I forgive other people. I think some of us should stay away from that prayer. Forgive me as I forgive other people. Love God, love others. The third condition for answered prayer is you must be willing to share the results. If you've had an answered prayer during the series, I've asked you over and over again to share the results. Why? Because it's so encouraging to everybody else. She had an answer to her prayer. Wow, I'll keep praying. If nobody says they had an answer to prayer, then I'm thinking, well, I'm wasting my time on this. Let's just forget this. He wants us to share the results that we have with others. It's kind of the testimony that we have that God is working in our lives, and He can work in your life too. That's what we're saying. Fifth condition for answered prayer is expect that God will answer. Expect that He will answer. What are you sitting here today expecting God to do? Nothing. Maybe make the sunshine last for the rest of the day? What are you expecting him to do in your life? Matthew 9, 29 has a story of Jesus going up to some blind men. They were asking to be healed of their blindness. and, And Jesus says to them, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. According to your faith. He didn't say according to your ability. He didn't say according to the education that you have. He didn't say according to how good a person you have been. He said according to your faith. The fifth condition, and probably the the most important, is this. You must pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus' name. John 16, 24 says, Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Well, just what's so interesting, what's so important about this name Jesus anyway? Why do I have to end my prayer in that? Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. This is not on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And Paul's writing this letter to the Philippian church, and he says to them, "'Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, "'who, being in very nature God, "'did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, "'but made Himself nothing.'" "...taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That's why the name's important. I remember, uh, this has been probably 20 years ago, uh, uh, we had a, a guy that came to our church, retired here to the area from... Uh, Indiana. He, he worked for Purdue in- University and was the mechanical uh, guy in charge of all the mechanical stuff around, you know, the boilers and all this sort of stuff at the school. He, engineer, mechanical engineer, thank you. Uh, he, he came and uh, was at our church, and then one day he said, you know, I've been going to church all my life. And I've never heard the name Jesus. I mean, we do everything we can at my church not to say Jesus. We say Lord, we say Christ, we say Anointed One, we say Savior, we say this, we say Son of God, we say, we say all these things. But nobody would say the word Jesus. And, and you folks say Jesus all the time. There's power in that name. Jesus, you want power in your prayers? Pray in Jesus' name. Week three, does God speak to us today? And um, I believe the verse that we kind of centered on was Romans 10:17. "Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith is heard through the word of God. You want to build your faith? and Then fill your life with the Bible. Fill your life with prayer. There are something like 7,000 promises that are in Scripture. But there's a big misconception about those promises. And it was the big idea for week three. You can't automatically claim a promise that's been given to somebody else in the Bible unless the Holy Spirit gives it to you. You can't automatically claim the promise that, uh, uh, you know, you're you're 85 years old and you're now going to have a baby. You can't claim that promise unless the Holy Spirit has given you uh, that promise. The word, word in, um, I started to say Latin in Greek, comes in two forms. The first is Logos, and it means the written word, the written word, this, the Bible, from Genesis through Revelation, all your favorite passages, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23, all those favorite passages, that's Logos, the Word of God. It's written for everybody. Rhema is the spoken word, the Word of God that's spoken to one individual. And in this case, I said it's spoken to you personally. God speaks to you personally. Yes, He still speaks today. Speaks to you personally. It's a specific word for a specific person in a specific period of time, and only for that time. Abraham's wife, Sarah, heard from God that she was going to have a baby. She was 90 years old. Never doubted it. It was a personal word for her from God. We looked at Peter in the boat with the rest of the disciples, and Jesus is walking on the water, and he says, Peter, come on on out and join me here. And Peter gets out of the boat and goes to join Him. Not the other disciples. The Word wasn't for them. It was only for Peter personally. How does God speak to us personally? Well, John 14, 26, this is that same passage that Jesus is talking to His disciples at the Lord's Supper in the upper room. He says this, Jesus says this, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And John 16, 13 says, But when He comes, the Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit's job description includes at least three things. At least three things. He will teach us, He will remind us, And He will guide us. And what He does, how He does that, is He takes this word and makes it speak to us. That's why personal Bible study is so important. He illuminates the Scripture. He brings light to the Scriptures. I can't tell you how many times I've read the Bible and couldn't understand the thing it was saying. just didn't make sense. And I'd read a passage three or four times and still wouldn't get what it was saying. I find now that if I first ask, Lord, show me something in your word, in the scripture that I'm going to read, (coughs) every time he does that. (coughs) But how do you know when it's God speaking to you? How do you know it's God and not the Pizza, pizza that you had the night before or, or Satan or somebody else that's uh, talking to you late in the night. Well, first of all, it will always agree with the Bible. If it's God talking to you, speaking to you, it's going to agree with the Bible. The Holy Spirit never contradicts anything that God has already said in His Word. Never. If it's a little bit off, you think, well, this sounds pretty... No. It's got to be 100% on. Then you can be sure it's God speaking to you. The other thing is, all of a sudden, the Scripture's come alive. You've had that experience maybe where you've been reading a Scripture that you've read a 100 times before, and all of a sudden, wow, I've never seen that in the Scripture before. Or all of a sudden, it applies to your situation in a way that you've never thought about it before. That's part of the illumination process. You can be sure that it's God speaking to you. Week four, we looked at the six steps for praying for a problem. The first was confess any known sin in your life, and we've already talked about that. If you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The second step is commit the decision to Christ. Commit that decision to, to Christ. Proverbs 3, 5-6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will act. Great verse. But guys... That trust word there means submit. That means surrender. That means give up. And we don't like that at all. But that's what we've got to do. Trust in the Lord with everything you have, with all your heart. Don't let your thinking get in the way. Let Him speak directly to your heart. The third step in praying for a problem is call on God to reveal His will by giving you a desire, and He will do that if you ask Him. He will do that. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. Remain in, stay in, live in. Be absorbed by the the scriptures. And he will give you the desires of your heart. If you're really trying to do what's right, if you're living, if you're you're remaining in him, and you're really trying to do what's right, you're not going to be very far off the mark. You're not going to be way out here in left field somewhere. And pray, God, give me... Your desire for this. Break my heart, God, for what breaks your heart. That's what I want. The fourth step in praying for a problem is compare your desires with Scripture. And I think we looked at this one really neat uh, Scripture in James 3.17. It says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven... If it's, if it's God speaking to you, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial, and sincere. If those things line up, you can take it to the bank. It's from Him. The fifth step is this. Chill and listen for God to give you a personal promise. Just kind of listen. In your prayer time, do you always allow some time for Him to talk to you? I'm not talking about 5 or 15 seconds. I'm talking about several minutes. Once you've talked to Him, just quiet in your spirit and listen and see if he has something he wants to say to you it's amazing how often he will speak at those times the big idea for week 4 was god speaks to the person who is willing to take the time to listen god's not speaking to you maybe you're not taking the time for him to speak to you maybe you're too busy Maybe you're in too much of a hurry for Him to speak to you. Step number six, claim the promise with confidence. And I think we talked that week about <clears throat> praying specifically. Not praying in generalities, but praying specifically. If you pray in generalities, you're not really sure that it, that God has answered anything. If If I say, God, heal everybody here at Renovation Church. Well, first of all, I don't think he's going to heal everybody here at Renovation Church and not all the people out there. You know, that's just not the way he works. But if I know that Dave over here has bumped his head on his desk trying to pick up something off the floor and... <clears throat> he's got that big knot coming up there and uh, you know, it looks awful uh, <laughs> you're welcome and I pray Lord take the pain away from that take the swelling down don't let that affect his vision and the pain and the swelling go away then I can be sure that God has answered that prayer specifically he loves specifics. I love to have people pray in specifics, not generalities. That week I also gave you a, a seventh step, a, a bonus step, and it was charge, thank you, Dean and Sarah, into action when God says go. Charge into action when God says go. Not when you think so, but when God says go. Sometimes we get those two confused. And what God does is He does it in three steps. First of all, He says, this is what I'm going to do. And then He says, this is how I'm going to do it. And thirdly, He says, this is when I'm going to do it. Well, if you're like me, we hear from God and we hear, I'm going to do it for you, and we just charge out and, and, and start the action, you know? That's not what he wants us to do. He wants us to wait around to hear, this is how I'm going to do it. It's going to be different than you think. And this is when I'm going to do it. And it may, there might be quite a lag in time, and I don't want to hear that either. Uh, but that's the way he, he happens. If it's God's timing, things are going to just fall into place. And never be fearful about it. There should be a peace about it. Second Timothy seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. If you're fearful, if you're anxious, if you're worried, if you're upset, if you're confused about the decision that you're making, I'd be very careful making that decision i found out over many years that with big decisions, if they're the right decisions, there's peace with it. Even if you can't see what the next step's going to be, there's a peace about making that decision. Week five last week was how to receive an answer from God. You must be willing to let God answer in his own time. That means answer on his schedule. Answer on His timetable whenever He thinks it's best. The big idea for, uh, one of the big ideas for last week was God is more interested in making you mature than He is in making life easy. He never promised you that life would be easy. As a matter of fact, He promised us that life would be difficult, that we would have trouble. That he would be there with us through all the trouble. Why? So we would mature, so we would grow deeper in our spiritual walk, closer in our relationship with him. That's what it's all about, not easiness. And then he delays things from time to time, does he not? And I hate delays, I absolutely hate delays. But I've learned that his not yet is not the same thing as no. His not yet just means it's not quite time yet. Hang in here a little bit. As my grandfather used to say, hold on to your horses. It's not time yet. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. And instead of saying, Lord, change the situation that I'm in and change it now, maybe you should pray, Lord, change me in this situation. Make me a different person. Help me to have a different outlook on this situation. You must be willing to let God answer in His own way. In His own way. God's ways are... Well, they're always better, and they're usually a lot bigger than what my ways would be. Wouldn't you agree? Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We looked last week at Zechariah and Elizabeth. That was the scripture that we used as our basis for uh, the teaching last week. And if Zechariah and Elizabeth had had their prayer answered for a baby immediately when they prayed it, they would have had a cute little Jewish baby. Everything would have been fine. But because God delayed, they had John the Baptist and the world was different because of that. Ephesians 3.20 says, (coughs) God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine. You have this imagination of what it might be like? Well, God's imagination is far above that. Far excels your thoughts. The third attitude for answered prayer is uh, you must be willing to let God answer in his own power. In his own power. The big idea number two was God often waits until the situation is humanly impossible before he answers. Oh, I hate this one too, those 11th hour answers. Why can he answer at 2 o'clock? Why does he wait till the uh, 11th hour when we're up against the wall and then comes through we got Sarah and Abraham Abraham's 99, Sarah's 90 humanly impossible to have children to have a baby we have Zechariah and Elizabeth I don't know how old they were but it says in scripture they were along in years which says to me they were pretty old far beyond childbearing age anyway. They had a kid. Some of you older folks may need to look out. Martha and Mary had a brother named Lazarus who was dying. As a matter of fact, he died. They put him in a tomb in a cave and Jesus was lollygagging around out here Knew about it, but didn't come for four days. You know what they said when Jesus said, Roll the stone away? They said, He stinks. (laughs) We can't roll it away. He stinks at this point. But Jesus waited. In every case, there was a delay because God wants the most glory out of every situation. He wants the most glory out of every situation. You must be willing to let God answer for His own purpose. For His own purpose. And we can't understand His purpose many times. Probably most of the time. We just can't. It doesn't seem logical, and it's not logical. It's His way. It's His purpose. It doesn't have to be logical. Two and two don't have to add up to four. God answers prayers for two reasons. For our growth, in other words, for our gain, for our blessing, and for His glory. When you pray and the request is not the right request, God says no. When you pray and you're not right, God says Grow. When you pray and the timing's not right, God says, slow. And when you pray and everything is right, God says, go. Go. The sixth week that we find ourselves in is how do I put my prayer into practice? And I want us to have an opportunity to do that. First of all, I want to ask if there's any answers to prayers that you want to share. Remember, you're supposed to share those results. This may be the last time I ask you. So, Oh, my gosh. Yes.
1: Wait till I get it on. I don't really need it. Um, I've been really working on some um, things in my prayer life that I really need to work on and, um, one of them has been um sometimes i 'll pray to God, and i'll take it back and um marty uh my wife got a um some information from our niece about my sister that she was just not cooperating, and um it was really causing a problem with um stand back George <laughs> i was she was really having a problem with um my sister. So um, I started praying to God in earnest, and I prayed to God that God would send someone to talk to my sister. Well, you know, sometimes if you pray with all your heart, you better watch out for God's answer. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting back here listening to George, and a, a still voice said, "Tony, call your sister." And I'm thinking, no, I didn't. I didn't really hear that. <laughs> And then another still voice said, Tony, call your sister. And I'm just denying it. And then third, Tony, call your sister. So when Marty and I got out in the car, I said, Marty, something really strange happened to me. I said, I was told three times to call my sister. Now, my sister and I, we haven't talked in a couple years, and we've never had a close relationship. So, um... We got home and, of course, when God wants you to do something, the first thing Satan's going to create doubt. And I said to Marty, honey, I don't think I can do this. Uh, I just, we haven't talked a long time. Go ahead. So um, Marty prayed with me and um, I called and um, I talked to my niece and then um, I talked to my sister and it was like we, things had never changed. We started talking, and I was encouraging her to um, help her uh, daughter because she had some physical problems. And um, at the end, I said to her, Would you mind if I pray for you? And she said, Yes. And then after that, oh, I hope I can keep it. She said, You know, Tony, she said, If a man offered me a million dollars, or the kind words that you've spoken to me today I would take the kind words that I have to give all the praise and glory to God because I never expected something like that and it was just listening to God's voice mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> my name is Cookie Weber and all my life I've been a member of a mainstream um, denominational church and a lot of you know what that is. Well, then I had a friend recommend um, coming to renovation, and they started the Monday evening, Sunday morning, Monday night. So I decided to come on Monday night. That allowed me to continue my um, support of my um, church. So for two years, I prayed about the situation, and two years um God waited, and I took the Alpha course several times. I'm a slow learner. And so anyway, this last time, this last fall, I was able to go on the Holy Spirit weekend. And God certainly grabbed a hold of me big time, and it answered my prayer in that I am now... Resigned from my church of lifelong, and I am now working to be a partner with renovation. So I hope to get to know some of you because I will still support Monday night, but that's why I'm here today. And another little aside is George and I worked together 40 years ago in a bank, and so small world, but um, God is good. And He's great and he's done nothing but positive things in my life ever since uh, The last two years that I've been praying about for him to leave me
0: Thank you Will it reach? Okay, maybe you can do the running you want yeah. to do the right anybody else? And 40 years ago, I looked a whole lot younger over here Terry Um, She's got I had, notes.
3: <laughs> well, your stuff, yeah, I wrote a couple of things down so I could keep up my memory, but um, about ten years ago, my husband left me and for another woman, and it had been very, very hard for me to deal with. Um, but I prayed that um, I could come here because... Um, I had used a friend's condo for a while and during that time I just read and read and read and read the word and it seems like the more I read the more I wanted to read and I just couldn't put it down and so many things happened out of that Um, I had to eventually sell everything I had so I could move here but when I moved down The house that I wanted to buy that was in foreclosure, Uh, I missed it by one day because my realtor couldn't uh, get there and I had the money to buy it. And my mom and dad just walked down the street to where a new home was being built. And uh, I said, mom, I can't afford a new house. There's no way I can afford a new house. And long story short there, It was right in the dead of winter, right when the housing market crashed. And I live in a brand new home that I I just couldn't believe uh, that I'd ever be in. Now, even though I sold everything I had, I still had a deficit in order to buy the home. But I had, uh, at that time, alimony coming in. And probably two weeks after I moved in, my ex drug me back to court and uh, they had an illegitimate child that the court took half my money to give for them to raise the child. And so it was cut in half and then it wasn't long before they cut it down again. So I was down like $200, and uh, I can't work because um, I have lupus, and I'm disabled. Um, I don't even like to say that because I'm, I'm believing for healing. But so I was, uh, I had a huge debt, a deficit deficit. And for not quite ten years, I've been trying to forgive them. I'd say, you know, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, but then they would take me back to court. Something else would happen, and it it was just so hard. So um, I knew I was missing something. And because I had been down here before in, in that condo, and I'd spent some time down here in the winter, In the word, reading the word, not just reading it, but meditating on it, thinking on it. I knew that's what I was lacking again. Um, And so I started reading the word more. And one day uh, in church, George did the sermon about, uh, or the the lesson about the master that forgave the um, servant. The servant could never have paid him back in a lifetime for all that he owed him. But the master forgave the servant. And then he went out, and he seized a man by the throat and said, Pay me what you owe me. And it dawned on me then, that's exactly what I was trying to do to my ex. Pay me what you owe me. And it was only $200, which was a ridiculous amount. and It wasn't enough for me to live on with what little disability I had too. So it was that time I realized I had to forgive them completely. And, that, and it, this didn't come overnight. He's been teaching me this for right at 10 years. And so I wrote them a letter. And you had said, write a letter and see what happens. So that's what I did. And here's the way I put it. I just said, you know, I know things are bad for everybody. And and I have a child to Because I really don't have any resentment toward her And I said Anything you can spare would be appreciated But I just left it at that I've never received a reply Or anything But as soon as I did that I felt this burden lift And um, I thought too It's probably an insult to God To say Um Give me this two hundred, you know, I want that two hundred dollars a month when <laughs> two hundred would be an insult to him because he wants to provide so much more. And then um when I did that, I said, you know, I'm totally trusting in you. Friends came out of the woodwork and started helping me. They helped me set up a gallery in the house. People started buying my work again. My I'm an artist. And just <laughs> month after month, the provision has come. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not kidding. That's the truth. Thank you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> mm. Anyone else? Make him run. You made me run a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it is. It is.
3: before.
0: Okay. Thank you, sir, for doing that. What I'd like to do now is give you an opportunity to, uh, to come up. Some of you may want to come up by yourselves and kneel on these uh, expensive mats that we have down here that uh, are nice and soft and cushioning for the knees. Some of you may want to come up and pray with one of the members of our ministry team. Uh, you know who you are, ministry team, so uh, as you see folks coming up, would you kind of beat them here to the platform so that you can pray with them, male with male, female with female, if we have enough? And um, just like with the sharing of results, it's hard to be the first person to come up. And I'm going to ask you to come. We had a, a Quite a few folks that came up at the close of the last service had a great time to get to pray with, with folks. Hey, maybe it's just a Thanksgiving about what God has done in your life. He'd love to hear that, and we'd love to share that with you. It doesn't have to be a problem that you're going through necessarily. So as the band plays, would you please, if you feel led, come up here to the front and let us have the privilege of praying with you this morning.